what are their gifts? What is their story already? What does that story of authentic fulfillment, re fulfillment reveal about their gifts? Um, and then it's let's apply those to serve this burgeoning renewal taking place in Steubenville where there's all kinds of opportunities for them to pour into the existing organizations uh, that are already there, but, but need help and need staff. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, I have returning guest, Dr. Joshua Miller with me, the co-author of Unrepeatable. Also, he's at the Franciscan University of Steubenville as the director of coaching and program in the Office of Personal Vocation. Josh, welcome back. Thanks very much, Ron. It's very good to be with you as always. Good to talk and pray with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, I've benefited from Dr. Miller's coaching, and I absolutely loved that process. I loved what you taught me. It transformed how I listen. It transformed the, mm -hmm. some of the conversations I have with not only the people I coach, but also my kids and family. It's been so much fun. But you have a new role, and I would love for you to maybe unpack that a little bit so we can have a conversation about it. It's going to be a great conversation. So in addition to my role at Franciscan, um, I'm the executive director of Inscape Center for Personal Vocation. And we've started uh, a new GAP program that's in partnership with Franciscan University to provide um, a GAP experience where young people can explore their personal vocation while they serve in our community. Mm -hmm. And so um, just I'm very excited about that and the possibilities for, for young people who are involved. When you say gap, you know, that whole idea of finishing high school and mm -hmm. what do I do next? And I don't know about you, but growing up, that was the most terrifying question I could be asked is, hey, what are you going to be? Like, what do you want to do with your life? I didn't have a clue. But I say that in, in some sense, I, I felt like I was going to be a tradesman because my dad was a mechanic. My uncles were carpenters mm -hmm. and painters, and I loved working with my hands. And so I took a year off mostly because I wasn't the best student in the world. Uh, it took me a little longer to get into university, uh, but I actually had no intention of going to university. I, I worked outside in Ottawa, Canada for a winter building a house and I darn near froze. And so I knew for sure I wasn't working outside for a living because I was not tough enough. And so that was part of the discernment, I guess. But, but I think for a lot of people, the idea of what, what, are you, what are you going, what program are you going to go into? You feel like that's a lifelong decision and it's really scary. So tell me about this gap concept, like who would want to go yeah. and what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, well, I, I, we use the term um, gap program because it's common parlance. People understand that term. What I don't want to uh, imply by it is that I believe that every young person should be on a conveyor belt from high school to university. Right. And that this is just a time of, uh, uh, between those two. But, but I do want to imply that it's so critical for young people to step away from uh, often the pressure cooker they've been on for education. Mm -hmm. And if they're at a, a place of, of emerging adulthood, 
to take time away to really explore who God made them to be, explore what the church teaches by personal vocation, and then to really live out service which concretizes and solidifies their identity. So maybe they'll go on to university, but maybe they'll go on to a trade school, or maybe they'll take mission work, or they could take a whole variety of options, but a period of intentional formation so they can get grounded in who God made them to be and explore service. So that's the heart of the program. Wow. And so I, I imagine that's where Inscape really comes in. And for those that have maybe remember you on an earlier podcast, if you haven't heard Dr. Josh go back, if you're watching this on YouTube, well, that's okay too. That's awesome. Um, but when it comes to Inscape and the work you do on personal vocations, for those that haven't listened to that previous podcast, can you just mm -hmm. share a little bit about the work that you've done? And yeah. Um, Oftentimes, in, in a, not just a Catholic context, but I think an evangelical context, even a secular context, uh, the word vocation is loaded down with like a state of life or profession. And so very, very often young people who are in high school or their early 20s who haven't yet landed, mm -hmm. they've not landed in a career, they've not landed in a marriage or priesthood, religious life, uh, still think that their vocation is down the road yet to be determined. And there's real anxiety related to that. And so what we teach uh, is that personal vocation is right now. God calls at this very sacred moment right now. And this moment right now includes the call to holiness. It includes the work that's in front of us. It includes whatever state of life we're in. So it's, this, it's all encompassing, God calls us by name at every single moment. So whenever I teach that, whether it's coaching or coach training or in a classroom, I, I have students who say, ah, oh, what a relief that is, that my vocation is not just down the road, but it's today. Mm -hmm. And there are challenges today, but today can be dealt with. And it's, it's, it's not so looming. So personal vocation is this call by name, this unique call by name that includes these other facets of vocation. It's dynamic and it's in the present moment. And there's so much power in helping young people embrace that. There's also a lot of dignity. So one of the things that young people crave is making a life of contribution. And we do them a grave injustice when we say to them that someday they'll do great things. Someday they'll be able to serve. Um, someday they'll grow up. Um, rather, if we say, right now, you're precious in God's eyes. Right now, you have a beautiful contribution to make. The question is not, do you have a vocation? But rather, let's cultivate the vocation that you have, who you are. And so it's very, very critical for young people to be known by name and to know that they can contribute. Both of those, by the way, are factors in why they're leaving the church and why they leave the Christian faith because they're not known by name and they're not given a sense of how they belong in a vital way to the communities of which they are part. When we cultivate personal vocation, it answers both of those heart cries to be known by name and to realize they can contribute. That's, that's amazing. That is some, you know, just recorded a podcast just recently, actually the first one of a different style of podcast I've been doing with my son It's called your encounter story. Mm. And that was one part of my, 
encounter story was realizing that God knew me by name. I just thought I was anonymous. I thought I was one of the throngs of Catholics in the world. And, and on a retreat weekend, I realized God knew my name mm. and, and he loved me and changed everything. Yeah. That's just yeah. so, so amazing. You said It's so amazing and so critical for our own testimony. And if, if it's true that we are called to love, of course we are, then we're called really to treat every person in our sphere of influence, certainly those under our care, with as much as possible that kind of attentiveness. We want to know their story. We want to cultivate their growth. We want to see them not as a demographic unit or just as a young person, um, but, but as a particular one who's designed by God with a particular purpose that's never been given in the history of time and, and needs to, the world needs. Um, and so when we treat people that way, we're really being the kind of love that we're called to be. And that makes all the difference in the world for those that we're responsible for caring for. Really, you know, I, I don't know that I've, I don't know that I do a really very good job of that. I don't know I've done a great job of that as a parent, but even as a leader in the church, I think to myself so often in many churches, it feels like, I'm not saying this is the case, but it can feel mm -hmm. like, um, What's expected of us is to come, to participate, uh, you know, to give a little, maybe serve a little, um, but they're very generic things. Uh, yes. They're not overly engaging. They're not overly exciting. They don't feel like they make much of a difference. And, and what I'm hearing you say is very, like, imagine if a church led like that. Imagine if oh. that was the vision for a church. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a different paradigm. It's a totally different paradigm. And I think what, what gives me so much energy and my own calling for this is that the church teaches us, I think through the Second Vatican Council for sure, and the documents on the laity, the universal call to holiness, um, Lumen Gentium on the church itself. So the church teaches in her, in her conciliar documents and then through the whole pastoral vision of St. John Paul II, also emphasized by Pope Francis recently, mm. that personal vocation is a teaching of the church. And it just takes us so long as Catholics to, to, to realize in our flesh, in our blood, in our spirits, what the church is teaching in, 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 this, in this heartfelt way. But you know, John Paul believed, St. John Paul II, that, that renewal in the church would take place insofar as the initiatives that relate to renewal are grounded in awareness of each person's unique calling, mm -hmm. this unique, unrepeatable calling. He was very clear about that. And yet we still labor on with asking the question, do you have a vocation? Um, and that's, that's uh, really a question that we need to set to rest in one sense. Of course, we have to discern the big questions, but um, so many of us are never treated in our churches or by church leaders or pastors, even by our own families, yeah. with this emphasis upon the beauty and dignity of each unique, unrepeatable vocation, have a cultivate that. So what's your vision? What's your hope for this new program at the Steubenville or at the Franciscan University of Steubenville? What's the hope? Yeah. Well, there's something really interesting is happening in Steubenville. And uh, it's interesting to paint the picture a little bit. So it's this mm -hmm. old steel mill town on the Ohio River Valley. The, uh, the Hollywood celebrity Dean Martin is from Steubenville, used to be the Las Vegas of, of the Ohio River Valley. And like a lot of Midwest industrial towns, 
it just faded away over the last several decades. So it was 40,000 population down to about 18,000 now. Wow. And Franciscan University is here in town. And we send out disciple makers to the nations and we have worldwide missions. But over the last, I would say 15 or 20 years, there's been a really concerted effort, particularly by laypersons living here, to take the lay calling seriously to sanctify the whole world, every nook and cranny in terms of government and business and law and finance. And so in Steubenville itself, there is this emerging desire to just re-Christianize the whole town. So that's happening. The university is realizing, as many universities are, that there's a crisis in higher education that, uh, first of all, because of, of, of abortion, uh, that's one reason why our demographics are low. <laughs> We've, we have uh, wiped out a couple generations. And so there's less young people to come to school. And so little, little our schools are starting to close down. People are wondering about why it's even valuable anymore to go to college. So there's this revitalized effort to make the college education really important for young people and build a culture of personal vocation. So that's been going on at Franciscan uh, while this renewal is happening in Steubenville. And there's a lot of revitalized energy at Franciscan to, to do something new for the church, to rebuild the church. So we're going back to St. John Paul II's pastoral vision that renewal will take place insofar as it's grounded in each particular person's calling for the, for the body. So Inscape Center for Personal Vocation comes along and the university is not yet ready to jump into a gap program itself. So we have a partnership here where Inscape Center will build a, uh, a gap year missions program and we're prioritizing Franciscan students. And the hope here, as you asked, the hope is to take young people between the ages of 18 and 23 Maybe they've applied at university and they, they've, they've been accepted, but they want to defer enrollment. Yep. Maybe they've been academically dismissed, but they've got good hearts. Maybe they've dropped out because their head is spinning and they feel anxiety. Or maybe they've graduated, like one of, the, one of our new missionaries with a double degree in finance and accounting who doesn't know what to do <laughs> and hasn't gotten any of the 200 jobs that he applied for. So the idea here is that these young people, there are now eight of them, that we have starting this August 15th, 2022, who will enter into a, a period of intense formation around personal vocation. What are their gifts? What is their story already? What does that story of authentic fulfillment, re fulfillment reveal about their gifts? Um, and then it's let's apply those to serve this burgeoning renewal taking place in Steubenville where there's all kinds of opportunities for them to pour into the existing organizations uh, that are already there, but, but need help and need staff. So there's a community track where they're gonna be serving together as a group with an urban farm, with a youth center, with uh, a music and the arts non-for-profit that revitalizes the city that way. And then there's gonna be an individual coaching track where each of the, uh, the missionaries will have a, uh, a coach to work with. They'll build a development plan so they can specifically apply their gifts in service in ways that are gonna help them grow as, as particular persons. 
And so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a new experience. The research shows that GAP programs that are intentional in giving good experience and helping young people serve are really important for young people as they go into college. And, and also, Ron, we've got a lot of experience that the kind of formation that we're going to be doing mm. is transformative. And there's a lot of story to tell on that front, but I know that it works uh, because we've been doing it for several years now. And um, my, our hope then is not just to have the young people grow an awareness of their own calling, but they're going to be trained to build a culture of personal vocation, to listen well, to ask questions, to attend to the glory of each person in front of them, particularly those young kids in that Sycamore Youth Center who are, you know, they're inner city youth, um, which is another dynamic in this steel mill town as we've got second world poverty um, in the Midwest. So is that, does that give enough of a picture of what we hope to gain? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, like you say, this is launching, this is a new initiative yeah. designed to implement a program that will bless the daylights out of these young people, give them experience and, and opportunities to serve. What do you hope to learn in this program? That's such a great question. And, and you know me that I, I love to co-learn <laughs> and it's important for me, my own motivation to, to be a learner. Um, that's why I've loved talking to you, <laughs> but um, praying with you and learning from you. But what I hope to learn as a coach and a, a formator is how communities themselves can be a context whereby peers can help cultivate the unique callings of those that they're, that they're with. So we, we had a, a seminar called Living Your Personal Vocation that we did with online students, which included, by the way, an Anglican deacon mm -hmm. serving in your uh, Canada uh, in the Arctic Circle. <laughs> it included people from around the world who were getting together once a week. So that was an online context. And just by setting the table around what are your gifts? How do we bless one another in conversation and storytelling to clarify those gifts? Um, it was a deeply interpersonal experience that was online once a week. Mm. And so what I hope to learn is how to, how to set a, a rich community context, because these missionaries are going to be living alongside one another in the King Frederick apartment building in Steubenville, Ohio, okay. within a hundred yards of a 24 seven adoration chapel at St. Peter's church, right? So spiritual resources will be there, yes. but how, how to help those communities themselves be a context where the young people can just grow together, have deep incarnational experiences together. Um, and that's part of what young people hunger for is they've got to get off the digital world that they tend to live in and know and be with one another face to face. So that's a bit of what I hope to learn is, is how that community context serves to cultivate personal vocation. Hmm. I can't wait to... <laughs> We're going to have to have this conversation again, maybe with one of these students as they yes. kind of get to the other end and sure. just hear about, hear about their experience and their encounter. But, you know, even as you talk, Josh, I, I think to myself, again, so much of what you're talking about, I think, oh my gosh, would that ever be helpful for guidance counselors at school? I think about mm -hmm. my son's hockey team and yes, you play hockey your whole life, but eventually that comes to an end and they're in university. Like 
how are we helping those people uncover their vocations? There's just so many applications to what you're talking about. Yes. It's, it's, it really is so helpful. And, and to me, I think to myself, these people may come out because it sounds like, you know, they're going to be coached and developing a plan. They're probably going to pick up a lot of these skills themselves. I hope so. And, and just imagine how that could be unleashed in parishes. Like, again, parish journals, my passion. Like, it's just like, oh, gosh. I hope so. Right. I do hope so. I really do hope so. Um, and that, that's part of what we were trying to do in the, in the community. I'm, I've become convinced that although national policy is important, although broadcasting is important, as you're doing and as I'm participating in right now, um, that I'm, I'm more and more committed to deeply personal, incarnational community um, transformation. And so, which includes our parish. So the, the mission is we'll be at a parish, uh, close to a parish, which is uh, really in growth mode right now. Um, and our hope is that they will bring who they are, what they're experiencing, certainly into parish life, hmm. yeah, radically so. Wow. I, I, I love what you're doing. So when you look at that, you're going to launch with, is, is there room for more than eight or is eight your, your number for, as you launch, like if people are listening going, oh my gosh, I would love to be a part of that. Is that something that it's kind of like, hey, maybe next year, or help me understand. Sure. We actually are still praying for one more female missionary in okay. our pilot program. I've got five men and we're looking for another woman. Um, we're, we believe the Lord's going to bring that person to us. But um, our fall semester is uh, almost full, except for that one person. Yeah. We are taking missionaries to begin January 15th of 2023. Perfect. And um, those, those slots are, are definitely open. Awesome. Um, and so we encourage applicants. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so amazing. And I guess I can't apply because I'm not a girl. I'm not 18 to 23 either, but <laughs> that, that is so cool. And so um, what, what, when you look ahead, like in the short term, like anytime you're launching something there, mm -hmm. it's all, I mean, it's really exciting. Like what you're talking about, it's really exciting. You have so much experience in this field, which is so helpful in this partnership with the Franciscan university. Um, but is there any obstacles that you see? What are you trying, what irons are you, what are you trying to iron out right now? And, and what do you, yeah. It's a pilot program, as you said, and so we're we're getting support through each missionary doing their own funding, and they've been successful in that. So it's like a focus program or a net ministries program where the missionaries are seeking their own funding. Um, we are in mode right now where we're just building a platform of funding for all the formational context that, that we need to have for them. We're... we're renting uh, space at this wonderful apartment building where the Catholic owners have been really intentional about building space and renovating space for our missionaries. So that's really, really good. In time, uh, I'd love to see one of those old homes, mm. those old, one of those old mansions in the downtown area to be renovated. Uh, in fact, we'll be doing some renovation of physical property this fall. But for now, it's providing funding for the house father and the house mother. Right. It's making sure that, um, that the mentors that are going to be working with them and some of the training that they're going to be getting is funded. 
it's even things as uh, mundane but as important as the right insurance policies you know a van that can fit them all all that stuff um but i am told by supporters that we've got to be prepared to scale because it's such a desperately needed kind of formation. And so I'm looking to that, Ron, and what does it take to document well what we're doing and tell the story well uh, so that we can build partnerships in other parts of the country where a program like this would be the right fit. And so when I look long-term, I'm thinking about what does it take to scale? Mm -hmm. And so the kind of staff and programming and relationship building that we need to do um, to scale is that's, that's at the, forefront of my mind as well that's so i'm glad you're saying that because as you're talking about this pilot program and what you hope to accomplish and how you're going about doing it i can think to myself right away i'm thinking this would be so cool in all kinds of different parts of the arctic circle and <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> possibly i don't know but but really like in halifax yeah. nova scotia canada where i'm from like boy that would be so cool and so as you guys experiment as you guys learn as you guys mm -hmm. document for the purpose of giving it away equipping yes. others to be able to partner with you guys yep. and that's one of the beautiful charisms of of the franciscan university of steubenville is is the ways that you've had a disproportionate impact outside of your immediate circle it's just so mm -hmm. beautiful i think that's true yeah i think that that's true um but getting into communities that have their own set of needs and drawing young people to those communities to serve there in a way that would help them cultivate their own calling, that kind of, of nimbleness, uh, I'd, like, I'd like to see. Um, so that's part of what we want to study is what's worked well in Steubenville, but what could work well in other contexts like Halifax, uh, mm -hmm. like, like, like a larger city or even a smaller community as well. What's great about Steubenville is that there's such a wide variety of opportunities for them to explore their unique gifts as they serve yeah, um, and to see the impact too. So I want to have those ingredients and I think those will be important that they be able to see impact as they move along. Right. Well, and the beautiful thing too, Josh, is this whole spiritual connection with our Catholic faith and Catholic tradition. And, and mm -hmm. you know, it just sounds like they're going to be in a very safe place to to not only grow in who they are and whose they are but a loving relationship with jesus and others yeah that's exactly true and that's part of the partnership that i hadn't mentioned up to now and i'm glad you opened the door for that and that is that these missionaries will have opportunity to just be blessed by the spiritual resources of franciscan university so so the mass there the speakers who come as you know as well as the fitness center and all that stuff so they'll have a taste of university experience if they want to go in that direction and if they then go on to franciscan or another university they, they will be well prepared um, and that's what universities need to do and that's why franciscan is really interested in sponsoring this program because they like any good school really want to have students that are that know that they want to be there and are prepared to be there mm -hmm. Love that. Do you see people coming from different parts? Like, because I know people go to the Franciscan University of Steubenville mm -hmm. from different parts of the country, don't they? I mean, I applied yeah, to it absolutely. years ago myself to do a master's degree, oddly enough. And so, yeah. you know, it has such a reputation of being 
evangelistic at heart and a yep. real um, alignment with the teachings of the church and uh, a place that people can, as Catholics, feel very comfortable that uh, it's going to make a difference in their kids' lives. And, and, Absolutely. So yeah, we've got, we do, I've got a, a young man coming from Washington State. Perfect. I've got uh, a couple local people, um, well, one local person, one person from North Dakota and a bunch from Wichita mm -hmm. uh, that Braden Johnson, I'll mention his name because he'd be a great guest, but Braden went through this seminar that I led online and really had a transformational experience. And so he's from Wichita and he's, he's recruited several young people from that area. So several parts of the country are represented. No one from New England yet. But maybe that young lady we're talking about is from New England. <laughs> I think or she Canada. just got convicted. Yeah, or Canada. That's right. <laughs> That's fantastic. So it is. It's it is going to be. So people are descending into your city. And oh yes. So that's so cool. So they may or may not choose to stay in that area once they're finished their gap year. Right. That might give them the, the sense of purpose and direction that they need to go home and, and dig in and double town and carry mm -hmm. on. That's what we hope. That's so cool. Well, I, I wish I would have done that when I was 18 or 19 instead of freezing out in Ottawa. Because <laughs> 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 those questions, I didn't even know I should be asking them. You know, they, that's, they, that's a key thing is to ask the questions that sometimes young people don't even ask. Yeah, it's the quality of our questions matter. And if my question is, what am I going to do? That's not the best question. I mean, it's a question, but it, you know, it's hard to know what you want to do with the rest of your life when you don't even know what there is or who you are. Yes. Well said. Well said, who, who, yeah, who we are, where's identity first, it's in Christ first, but this, we need to know our being and our identity first before we move on to what am I supposed to do? And often, I think you're right, we ask that latter question without the key former ones. Mm. So when you, just, just to give people a little bit of a taste, if we could, Josh, but when you do those seminars online that had such mm. a big impact on the gentleman you just mentioned, but yes. you know, what? Where are you taking people, you know, at the heart? Like, where are you taking people? What kinds of yeah. questions do you explore? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, one of the, I think, the most radically significant parts of what we do is we ask people to open up what their story has already been of, of, of action that's authentically fulfilling. Mm. And... We are created by a God who's a storyteller. He writes with story. He writes with word. All creation is part of his story. And he didn't have to use us. He could have made everything perfect, but he's using us to heal and restore creation. And he wants us to be characters in the great story of salvation. And so when people already start to share the things that have authentically fulfilled them, they get their finger right down into God's design for them and goodness that God has already crafted through them for the sake of his people. And what's so beautiful is to help young people awaken to this reality that God is already working his glory through their lives and they're not aware of it. And so the first thing we do is we help them see that in this narrative that they have, and everybody has has some sort of heartbeat of authentic action that they're drawn to, like a magnet. 
that that in that story there's already a design and that it helps them to recognize the kind of character that they are and are called to co-create in in uh, god's story of salvation so we link their story with the big story and then help them recognize that that with the holy spirit they can co-create that narrative every day of their lives again it's not just a future project it's something that god has already woven his glory has already been woven in their lives in beautiful ways um, even if they've not been converted yet, there's still a heartbeat of goodness there. And so we want to move them towards conversion, yes, and the use of those gifts in a totally sanctified way. But they need to know that they're good and that God made them that way and has purpose for them. And so that's, that's really critical to this transformation piece. Because then they recognize that, hey, I got a job to do that nobody else can do. And if I say no to it, it will be said no to forever, right? Now, God's going to do his way and work his magic and bring good, but, but it really is true that he wants us to do a work that's never been done before, and there's great dignity in that. And so what the, the missionaries will be living into is that not just when they graduate, but in Steubenville, in August 15th, they're going to be living out their personal vocations and building God's kingdom right then. I, I can't think of anybody that doesn't apply to. I'm thinking of business owners, like maybe you've been successful, but you know there's, there's just something missing. And I'm thinking mm -hmm. once you get your finger on what you're talking about, Josh, it, it brings your business, it gives your business more purpose. It gives you yes, more it focus. It, it gets you more passionate, more excited. Uh, I think about priests, you know, that yes. are, are, are living out their priesthood in the ways that they learn and the ways that they were told with very little understanding of, or, or even permission, I suppose, to understand and be what, who they were called to be with that passion, with that purpose. Yes, and, and that's part of my work is to be a coach for priests. Yes. And uh, I've been working in the Diocese of Camden, New Jersey, uh, as a particular client. Um, Bishop Dennis Sullivan there has, has, has asked myself and Joe Cavanaugh, working with Don Ottaviano, um, wonderful woman there, leader, to help a priest with that very question. What's, what's the connection between my priesthood as a state and who God made me to be? Amen. I believe it's been very, very fruitful for those priests. Well, that's one of the benefits of doing that coaching with you is to be able to take the tools that you've created mm -hmm. and use it in my coaching. And I think that's where, that's where I see so much excitement and enthusiasm begin to be rediscovered in the clergy because up you know, I, I talk about my Christian, my son Christian, who's a hockey player. You know, it's very common to play a role on a team based on the coach's focus and your skill set, and that's fun. And yet, it's not as fun as when you get to be who you're, who you want mm. to be, who you're gifted to be. Because people don't always, other people don't always get that right for you. Yeah, they don't, right? And so, if you've been used to being the people other people expect you to be or told you who you are but you know in your heart that's that's off but you don't have a language to articulate it that can be painful very painful uh, we want to be known we want to be known by name going back to what we said at the beginning part of the conversation as well and so it's really important that we do that for one another um, really every moment like any encounter that we're having with another person should be to attend to that person in a way that 
helps them to flourish. It lifts them up. It doesn't look past them or over them. It looks into them as much as we can and loves them in that moment. Uh, because that's God's call in that moment is to love them. And so can't just be role players. Uh, um, we can't be treated that way, rather. Yes. Um, sometimes we have to, to play our part, of course, but, but yes. there's a, always a person. Yeah, that's so cool. And maybe as we wrap up, like your book, uh, it's just, I just found it completely captivating, unrepeatable. That really, you capture some of what we're talking about today in that book. And if you want to, to read more, I, I'd strongly recommend you go and, mm -hmm. and look that up. And Thank you, Ron buy that book you're welcome i was just saying before the show i was at a conference recently and and uh, in a conversation the person was going on and on about this book i had to read and it was your book unrepeatable and i just my heart was full because i know <laughs> i know story. you and yeah it's a fun story but it really does make a difference and what you do makes a difference and i appreciate uh, all the great work that you're doing to make the world a better place and so well, i appreciate what you're doing too brother thank you you're welcome. And so I wonder too, you know, because you talked about a lot of, um, you know, a vision for what you're doing in this new project. There are opportunities for one more lady, uh, young lady mm -hmm. to be involved, but and also in January, it opens up again. So if you're hearing this and you're thinking, I want to be a part of that, awesome, uh, apply. Where would people go um, to do that? But the other piece too is, you know, all of this stuff requires funding, whether it's for the house mother mm -hmm. or the house father and, and yeah. these, the van and these different things. I'm guessing funding is, is something that, that is an important part of developing this. Is that fair? Yes, most certainly. We want to be able to scale. Because I love this work, I, I've been pouring into it, feel called to do it. Yeah. But, but having it sustained with, with staff who are all missionaries, is important and that does require funding for sure. Um, and so, yeah, the website inscapecenter.org would be the place to go for both to learn more about the missions program. We have a little video there that we did um, with the strong support from Dr. Scott Hahn's wife, Kimberly, who's a great leader in her own right. She's on the city council in Steubenville. Ah. And so she speaks uh, on that video and, and others as well. Some young people speak. So uh, information about the program, uh, how to apply to the program. Uh, there's also an, a free ebook there that people can just download if they wanted to see the connection between what is personal vocation and why it's so critical for renewal in the church. Uh, but also there's a giving tab there too. And Inscape Center for Personal Vocation, it's a registered non-for-profit. So all donations are tax deductible and will of course be well documented for, for supporters. But we do invite people to, to come alongside as supporters because we, we recognize that um, it very well could be part of their own calling uh, to, to, to build a culture of personal vocation. Right. So we welcome uh, partners. That's wonderful. So we'll put all that information uh, below in an attachments. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for watching. If you're listening on audio while you do your dishes or mow your lawn, I'm glad we've uh, you've taken us along for the ride. Uh, we love being a part of the conversation to help us as leaders in the Catholic Church, whether it's business parishes or other ministries, to really do everything we can to make a difference. And and Dr. Miller, you're awesome. Thank you for what you do. Keep Thanks up the great for what work. you do, Ron. Thanks, brother, very much. God bless.
I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are.